Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Northeastern University, a global, experiential, research university built on a tradition of engagement with the world, creating a distinctive approach to education and research. The Northeastern University Pharmaceutical Industry Fellowship Program exists at the epicenter of healthcare, where fellows thrive in a dynamic environment by developing and applying industry and academic skills to be leaders in their fields. Learn more about their program through the info link and episode description. Okay, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by Brian Arana Madriz. Brian is a Global Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Alexion AstraZeneca Rare Disease. He He is originally from Hialeah, Florida. He went to undergrad at Florida State University and completed his PharmD at Mercer University College of Pharmacy in Atlanta. Brian, thanks so much for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. So today, like I said, is a very special episode because I'm actually introducing you, Brian, to our audience as the new co-host of the IPHO podcast. So Brian will be taking over my role as I'm beginning to approach the end of my own fellowship journey. And we will discuss that a little bit more towards the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, let's just hop right into the interview. So Brian, let's start with some background on yourself. Can you talk a little bit about where you're from and what made you decide to go to pharmacy school? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a little bit of a nomad. Um, I was actually born um, in Vancouver, Canada, moved over to Hialeah around the age of four and grew up in a predominantly Hispanic community. A lot of minorities, a lot of immigrants where I grew up. Um, When I was very young, fourth grade, my father was diagnosed with ITP, otherwise known as immune thrombocytopenic purpura. And during that time, there was a lot of maybes, what is going to happen. And there wasn't a lot of medications that were available to my father. And that was always something that was in my subconscious as I grew up. And once I got to high school, got into undergrad, I realized that, you know, the science was something that I was really interested in. And then that experience with my father really drove me to pursue a career in pharmacy. Awesome. So then when you decided to go to pharmacy school, once you got in and, you know, you started, what sorts of activities were you involved in and, you know, what were your interests back then? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to have three roommates that were all third year pharmacy students and they really instilled in me to make sure that I go um, look out for different opportunities at different organizations. And one of the first organizations that I joined was actually AMCP or the Academy of Managed Care. Um, and there was no IPHO on our campus at that time. So, But I was heavily involved in AMCP. I was going to their national meetings. And there, there was a large industry presence. And that kind of opened my eyes to kind of what the um, non-traditional roles in pharmacy were. The second year in pharmacy school, IPHO opened up on campus and I was able to get a little more insight into IPHO. 
And with that, um, you know, with AMCP, with IPHO, it really opened me up to a lot of opportunities within the pharmaceutical industry. I used that and I leveraged it to gain four different um, appy rotations within the industry. And that's kind of how I got the crux of, you know, what does an industry pharmacist do? What are some functional areas and kind of the daily activities that are involved within industry? Awesome. Yeah. Four rotations. That's a lot. So you're very, very fortunate (laughs) with that. Um, Cool. So at what point during that pharmacy school experience did you decide to pursue a career in the pharmaceutical industry? So you mentioned you were involved in AMCP and IPHO. So what point of pharmacy school was that around? And do you remember at what point you really kind of made that decision? decision to pursue industry? Yeah. And going back to the last point, yeah, that that was a lot of uh, industry rotation. I had to give up my off block, which was my five weeks off. So that kind of hurt a little bit. But um, when it came to when I found out what I wanted to do, that was very easy for me. Within my first year, I already knew that I wanted to be involved in the non-traditional route, whether it was involved in managed care or in the pharmaceutical industry. I knew that my personality fit within those organizations. Um, I had a job at Publix and community in retail pharmacy and the repetitiveness just wasn't something that I saw myself doing for a long period of time. But within the pharmaceutical industry, doing all these different activities, it showed me that, you know, the day in the life is not the same. There's always something different. Um, your days vary. And that really attracted me to pursuing a non-traditional role. So I would say about my first, midway through my first year, I knew exactly what I wanted to do um, with my degree. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, a, a lot of what you said is actually very similar to me. Like I, I also gave up my off block for an industry happy rotation <laughs> and um, yeah, around the same time, like very early on in the first year, I kind of made the same decision and I had a lot of the same thoughts that you had. So that that's just very cool listening to you and me thinking back on that also. Um, cool. So when you made that decision in your first year to pursue industry, did you make any contacts in industry at that point or throughout pharmacy school? And if so, how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So I wouldn't say I made contacts within that first year, but as I started to gain a lot more knowledge within the space, I started to um, attend a lot of organization meetings, you know, IPHO, AMCP, and a lot of the speakers that would come were industry professionals. Um, And really with that, I used it to my advantage. I would, you know, meet with them after the meeting was over for about two to three minutes, just exchange my contact, let them know who I am, just so they can see a name to the face. And then from there, I kind of became a LinkedIn warrior, as I like to call it. I would get on LinkedIn. I would, um, you know, message individuals, as we say, slide in the DMs, right? So I would go and try to just create conversation and keep up with my network. I think keeping in touch with your network is a lot harder than actually meeting the individuals firsthand. So once you meet them, I met them um, throughout, like I said, organizational meetings, going to conferences, being on LinkedIn, creating that presence online really allowed me to create that network. And once I created that network, I did, I would say a fairly decent job of keeping up with my contacts. Just, hey, how are you? X, Y, and Z. And that really allowed me to gain the network that I have today. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Every guest I have on mentions LinkedIn. I, we should be sponsored by LinkedIn, honestly. Yeah, at this point. At this point. <laughs> uh, cool. So how did you then research choosing what functional area that you wanted to go into? Yeah, this is not going to sound the best, but I will say that once I realized industry was what I wanted to do, 
I automatically went to medical affairs. I automatically went into medical science liaison. And that's what I wanted to do. I was struggling whether, you know, is uh is a residency something that I want to do because you know there's so much clinical knowledge that we're gaining within pharmacy school. And then I also thought, well, I don't really want to pursue a residency. I want to do a fellowship. And how can I use my clinical knowledge? And I thought, oh, let me go and go ahead and pursue an MSL position within the pharmaceutical industry. So that was kind of set in stone in my head for a uh, second year, third year. I did I didn't waver. I didn't even bother to look at other functional areas, if I'm being honest. What happened was on my fourth year, my very first rotation was a regulatory affairs rotation. My preceptor happened to be the Med Affairs Fellow the previous year and got a full-time position in a regulatory ad promo and labeling role. And he kind of knew my interest and what I wanted to do. And he thought it was best for me to rotate through subsections of regulatory. So for a week, I spent time with the ad promo team. For a week, I spent time with the labeling team, the CMC team, so on and so forth. And that really opened my eyes to you know, the cross-collaboration that's involved within regulatory affairs, the different um, parts of the, the drug development cycle that we played a role in. And all these things really kind of fascinated me and how I could kind of potentially see myself as a regulatory affairs professional. And my entire plan that I had shifted within five weeks. And that's kind of how I ended up within the global regulatory affairs and kind of how I did my, I would say, research on um, other functional areas. But it really wasn't a thing where I even thought about researching other functional areas. I really thought I was going to be med affairs, MSL. So I will say that if you do have something in your mind about what you want to do, just keep it open. Make sure you're reading about different functional areas, about the possibilities that you can do, you can have within the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear that perspective that you just thought 100% you were all in for years, right? Like literally yeah. for years, that's what you thought. Um, and, and yeah, we've touched on this on other episodes, but again, like I'm such a huge fan of getting as as much of a variety of experiences as you can because honestly, I love when I have like a rotation or an experience and hate it. Like I love that because it's so valuable to know what you don't want to do almost as much or even more so than knowing what you do want to do, right? Because it would it would be really tough if you got into something as a full-time role and then realize, oh, I hate this, right? Because at that point, like it might be harder to, to switch or, or change paths. But when you're a student, you kind of have that opportunity to get those experiences. So um, obviously, you know, you learn that and you're, you completely changed your plan and everything worked out for you. Um, but it's just something I would really recommend to students that are listening, just try as much as you can when you have the chance. Cool. So, okay. So you mentioned you thought about residencies, then you decided you wanted to do a fellowship, but what was your thought process when really considering the route that you wanted to take to get into, into, into industry? So like you said, you wanted a fellowship, but did you ever consider foregoing a fellowship and taking an entry level full-time role or did that not really cross your mind? Again, another one that people will hear and say, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I didn't even consider a full-time position. I wasn't planning on applying for an entry-level position. 
my whole thought process was a fellowship is that extra training that you're going to get. And I want to be as trained as possible getting going into a full-time role. So I always, I wanted to pursue a fellowship because I knew it was an opportunity for me to learn, um, for me to gain perspective from people that have been within the industry for years and years and really learning under their wing, being in an active support role or leading projects. I knew getting my hands dirty was going to be the best way for me to learn and allow me to have um, a better perspective as I went into a full-time position. Now, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. I'm not saying that. I just was always under the impression that I wanted to, that extra year or two of training before I stepped into a role because at, we are pharmacists. That's what we're trained as. We don't really learn that much, at least not in my uh, school. We don't learn that much about the pharmaceutical industry and kind of the day-to-day, what you actually do, what are the projects that you're on, who are you working with, you know, communicating communicating with those teams. I wasn't really aware of all that besides my leadership experience and my rotations. So I knew that a fellowship is something that I wanted to pursue just to get that full picture before I stepped into a full-time role. Cool. Yeah. I like how decisive you were in all of these decisions, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, decisive in the fact that you wanted to be an MSL for years. And then when you had the regulatory affairs experience, just being able to, on a dime, just completely reverse or change course, right? Um, and then fellowship, like, nope, didn't even consider the alternative, just knew I wanted a fellowship. Like, I, I wish I was like that, right? Like, I feel like I overthought so much and it was, it was so stressful, but I kind of wish I kind of went through the process a little bit more like you did. Um, cool. So the next question that I have for you is that a lot of our listeners are current pharmacy students and they always have lots of questions about fellowship interviews. This is a very timely topic, of course, as you know, the IPHO annual meeting is coming up, mid-year applications will be opening soon. So, uh, how was your overall experience when you went through interviews and what advice would you give to students that are also planning on doing that? Yeah. So, you know, my year is a little bit different than how the proposed um, interview process is going to be this year. Mine was fully virtual. There was no mid-year. The overall experience, I would say, was was a great experience for myself. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't stressful. It was extremely stressful balancing, you know, rotations. I, for some reason, decided to have a ID rotation during my bulk of my block to my second uh, round interviews, which wasn't the most fun, to say the least. Um, but the biggest advice that I would give to students, first and foremost, just because you do not have industry experience does not mean you can't land a fellowship. Um, I think a lot of students are so caught up in, oh, I don't have an internship. I don't have a rotation, but you do have, you know, life experiences that teaches you certain things that you need within the pharmaceutical industry, whether that's communicating, working with a, with a multitude of individuals, solving issues within a team. These are all things that everyone goes through in life. And I think that's something that a lot of people get bogged down on. Like, I don't have industry experience X, Y, and Z. There's always ways that you can leverage your own experiences to kind of show the skill set that's going to be required for you to get a role within the pharmaceutical industry. Um, another thing too, um, it's your CV and your LOI, they should be, um, you know, at least your CV should be going through multiple drafts before your first, before the portals even open up, just so you can get perspective from different individuals, um, get that collective of comments and see how it best fits you. Um, a lot of individuals get different CVs and different, you know, LOIs, and they want to kind of copy the format. 
what I did was I collected various amounts of, of CV comments, different versions of LOIs, and I kind of formulated what I thought would be best for myself. Um, I think everyone should approach it in that way because everyone has positives within their CV and LOIs. And I think if you can get a culmination of all those different things, you can get a very well put together CV and LOI. Um, starting early is huge. Um, another thing is to reach out to whoever's writing your letters of recommendations before the portals even open up. You don't want to go through that stress of having to find those individuals um, to write you those letters. So that's something that I would highly recommend. And then one of the, I think the most important things that I would recommend is practice, practice, practice. Um, your CV and LOI will get you in the door, but that, inter that interview will make or break you at the end of the day. And I would say practice, 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 but do not sound robotic, if that makes sense. So I found a website. It's called a27p.com. And that was a website that was created by fellows. And there's a section within that website on five, it's section five, it's called interview. And if you scroll down, there's a plethora of different topics and questions that are asked throughout fellowship interviews. Um, and what I did is I copy and pasted most of those questions and I would fill in those questions using the star method, situation, task, action, result. And I would read it a few times, but I didn't want to memorize it. It was kind of to, to give myself a template of what I wanted to cover for certain answers. And I would practice um, with my colleagues that I had, a lot of individuals that I went to pharmacy school also applied to fellowships. And we would hop on Zoom and just go through our hours of practice. You know, we did an hour every Sunday for about two months. And we would just go back and forth, um, grilling each other on these questions. And that's really what I would use to, to uh, prepare myself for my interviews. So that's some of, some of the advice that I would give uh, students preparing for, for the, the interview process. This episode is brought to you by the Pharmaceutical Industry and Education Fellowship Program at St. Joseph's University, Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. Founded in 2007, this program is proud to partner with multiple companies such as CSL Bearing, GenMab, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, Johnson & Johnson, and more. During this fellowship, fellows will have multiple opportunities to enhance their experiential training in a collaborative, team-based corporate environment through professional development programming, participation in the teaching certificate program, and options to pursue certificates or a master's degree through the university. Check out the link in the description for more information. Yeah, that was a ton of advice. And honestly, I agree with all of it. I had never heard of that website before. That's actually a very useful resource. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Have everything done early, right? Like so many people, I think one of the biggest reasons people get stressed out about the process is because you know, they wait until applications open and then they're stressing to get their CV in and their letter of intent and getting their uh, letters of rec from people, like you said, like all of that should be done before the application opens. Like if you have all that ready to go, then when the application opens, just send it off and, and you just wait, you just sit around and wait. And it, it makes the whole, the whole process so much easier. Um, so definitely just like, if you're listening to this episode, when or around when it's being published, then you should have this stuff done or be working on it, right? Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing you could take. So cool, moving forward now, um, you know, you went through the interviews and you obviously have your fellowship position now at Alexion. Can you talk a little bit about your thought process 
in actually choosing the fellowship that you chose and how you determined that they were the right fit for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had an Excel spreadsheet that I started. And what I did was I had the sponsor company as well as the actual program. I would have location. And then I had pros and cons of certain things that the fellowship uh, position offered. At first, I'll be honest, location was one of my biggest things. I did not want to relocate to the Northeast or Midwest, but here I am in Boston. So that shows you how much things change throughout the process. Um, so that's that's pretty much what I did. And another thing that I wanted out of my fellowship, be, going back to that first block um, regulatory affairs appy that I had, was that I wanted to see the different subsections within regulatory affairs. So as I mentioned before, regulatory affairs is an umbrella term, just like medical affairs is an umbrella term, and certain things fall under that. So within regulatory, there is chemistry, manufacturing, and control, otherwise known as CMC. There's that promo, there's labeling, there's a plethora of things within regulatory affairs. And what I learned in my appy is that I wanted to be a, a regulatory affairs generalist. I wanted to have a little bit of knowledge about every subsection so that I can kind of feel out where I wanted to be when I get that full-time position. So the number one thing on my, my list was a rotational fellowship. Another one was, does, my, does the program offer an elective? Um, going back to what you said earlier in the podcast about, you know, getting different experiences whether it be, you know, different uh, functional areas, you know, commercial, med affairs, X, Y, and Z, I wanted a fellowship that let me go outside of my functional area. So within my fellowship that I that I ended up being um, chosen for was a rotational fellowship within Apromo CMC Development Strategy. And then I also have six months elective where I can pursue a position um, outside of regulatory affairs. So I can do six months within marketing. I can do six months at Med Affairs, X, Y, and Z. So those were really high on my list when I was choosing a fellowship. And how I determined the right fit, I'm going to see, you may, a lot of people hearing this may not understand this when I say this, but once you're in the interview and you're being interviewed, there is an exchange of energy <laughs> that you can uh, you can put your finger on of, yeah, this is somewhere that I would see myself working. This is a team where I can, that I most likely will get along with most individuals, where my personality fits. I think the only way to know whether you're a fit or not is really feeling out your interviewees. So don't forget that even though you're being interviewed, you're also interviewing the the actual program itself. So I would say that's how I kind of understood, okay, this is the right fit for me. Yeah. Uh, great advice. And I really like the, what you said about when you're in it, you, there's an exchange of energy. That's a great way to put it. And yeah, you really don't understand that until you've been through it and you've interviewed with tons of different programs. But I think that's kind of why when students ask for advice, kind of a universal answer that fellows give is to be yourself, right? Like besides all the obvious, like be prepared and all that, but be yourself. Because if you, if you are being yourself, then that is like the truest exchange of that energy, right? Like they see exactly who you are. And if you're acting like yourself and you're having a great time in that interview with those people, then that's a pretty good indicator that that's a great program and a great fit. Right. But if you're being yourself and the, the interviewers are being themselves and 
you could tell that you're not really vibing, then maybe that's an indicator that there might be a better program out there for you. So yeah, I mean, when, as soon as you said that, I was just sitting here nodding, right? I was like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I remember that. Um, great. So obviously you picked a great program. You knew exactly what you were looking for. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the type of work or various projects that you've gotten the chance to be involved in during your fellowship uh, up to this point? Yeah. So, you know, we hit the ground running. I would say the first month was, you know, onboarding, getting used to the systems and getting access to a bunch of documents. But within the last, I would say two to three weeks, a lot of things have been picking up. I think being in the office for three days of the week has been really beneficial for myself because I get a lot of face time with the team. Um, and you build that camaraderie and trust and, and that allows them to feel more comfortable bringing you on board to support a project. So right now I'm doing a content planning and I'm also doing the general investigation plan for a product that we have in development. Uh, I'm supporting an IND and a SBLA uh, submission. Um, the SBLA submission is pending, but I'll be working on the module one of the ECTD submission um, within that project. And then another amazing project that I've been fortunate enough to get put on so early within my fellowship is I will be supporting the team for an upcoming Type B Breakthrough Designation FDA meeting. Um, and for this, I'm really doing a lot of reg intelligence. So looking at presidents, uh, looking at some guidances and really informing the team on potential uh, backfire from the agency and some questions that we should be able uh, to anticipate for that meeting. So these are some of the projects that I'm working on. Slowly but surely, things are picking up. Yeah, I mean, you're very early in your program and you've, you've gotten a ton of experiences already. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, great. So how would you say that your fellowship has actually differed from what you were expecting, right? Because when I asked how you knew it was a good fit, you definitely seemed like you knew what you were looking for. But is there anything that stands out to you that, you know, not necessarily in a good way or in a bad way, but is just different than what you were expecting? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't say within my position, like the things that I'm doing from on a day to day basis hasn't differed from what I read, you know, prior and what I've asked during my interviews. But starting the fellowship is a lot different than what I expected. And what I mean by that is. I thought, you know, within one week, two weeks, I just have a list of projects where I'm just helping the team and uh, jumping straight on to certain things, but it doesn't really work that way, at least not within my program. It's more about, you know, your preceptor facilitating opportunities. So whether it's me talking to individuals around the office or my preceptor reaching out to certain individuals to see if there's any projects where they need assistance with or support on, um, that's how I've that's kind of differed from what I expected for my fellowship. Like I said, I just thought I would be thrown into the fire, you know, to say the least, and just kind of have a list of projects where I'd just be responsible for a good majority of it. But I'm assigned a preceptor um, when I'm on a project where they're the direct point of contact. Um, I communicate with them. I follow up with them. And it's it's a lot different than what I expected, but I mean, it's been amazing. I get great support from the team. I never feel like I can't ask a question, which I think is a huge thing, but definitely what I expected, I expected to be thrown into the fire to say that, like I said, but it, it, it wasn't like that. They give you some time to acclimate to your setting and get used to the processes and really read how things are done um, at your particular company. Yeah. And that, basically mirrors my experience too when I started like I, I was expecting the same thing I think it's just from that high pace of like 
pharmacy school and you're on your rotations and you're studying for boards and you're constantly busy. And then once you start fellowship, I, I think in the beginning, a lot of people that I hear actually complain that it's a little slow in the beginning, right? Because like you said, there's a lot of onboarding and there's just a lot of systems that you need to get access to and technology and all that. Um, but I think what a lot of people also experience is if you have that slow start, there will come a point where it seems like everything kind of hits at once and then you feel super busy. Um, so if that is your experience in the beginning of fellowship, I honestly think that's totally normal. Um, but it's great. It seems like you're having a great time. Yeah. And, and, and really quickly, just to co- comment on that point, I and that last point about, you know, all of a sudden you just get hit with a bunch of things. And, you know, these three, four projects that I'm on have all been within the la- the the last two to three weeks so for anybody that for anybody that you know gets a fellowship and gets put into their position and their first month feels slow i would say take advantage you know read about your functional area read about some of the programs they have going on find things to do to make up for that free time because then it'll it'll allow you to transition into your projects a lot easier yeah, agreed. It's funny that you said that. I guess once you interview enough fellows, you kind of get a sense for how most programs operate. Uh, cool. So uh, final question about fellowships, right? And, and interviews in general, how would you summarize all of the advice that you've given so far? And how would you base, what would you basically tell to students that are thinking about pursuing a career in industry? Um, that's hard to summarize all that advice, but I would say um, the biggest thing is, like I mentioned before, I really notice how a lot of individuals get bogged down on, you know, I don't have industry experience, I don't have an internship, externship, whatever the case may be. Just think about all the different things that you've done throughout life, right? Whether it be leadership in organizations, you know, group projects that you had to lead within um, your schooling, all these things can be translated to the pharmaceutical industry. Like I said, it's basic, you know, communication skills, collaboration, you know, problem solving, all these things are done outside of the pharmaceutical industry. They're done in a bunch of other experiences. So um, you're a trained pharmacist at the end of the day. Most of these individuals are going to be graduating with a PharmD. And there's a lot of things that we had to acclimate to, we had to adapt to. Um, Just really think about what you're doing within your four years and how those experiences could be leveraged. Don't get too caught up in, you know, I don't have fellow uh, industry experience. I don't have um, internships or whatever the case may be. You're a PharmD at the end of the day. And there's a lot that goes into that, you know, so uh, keep that in mind. And then I would just piggyback on what you said earlier, especially if you're pursuing a fellowship, start early. Your CV must got to, you have to start that early. Your LOIs have to be relatively early. Your letters of rec should be ready to go. Um, all these things really do take the stress off once those portals open. Once the portal opened, I was submitting applications within the first week. I had everything ready to go. So um, I would say that's the biggest, one of the, if not the biggest advice that I would give um, students thinking about pursuing a career within industry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, same for me. I, I submitted stuff super early and a lot of my friends, when you said that, I thought about a lot of the, the friends that I had that went through the process with me. Same for them. Like people that were successful in the process, they submitted things super early and were just kind of ready to go. And if you're listening to this and you don't have, you know, all of your materials ready, that's fine. Just That just means start now, right? Like don't wait another week. Don't wait another two weeks. Just, just start now and, and you'll be fine. 
So awesome. Thank you for all of that advice. I'm sure the listeners are finding it super helpful. And I did mention at the beginning of this episode that if the listeners tuned in, we would talk a little bit about your future as the next co-host of the podcast. So can you give the listeners an idea of what made you interested in getting involved with the IPHO podcast and kind of what your plans are for the future episodes? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so my third year in pharmacy school, me and a couple of my classmates had an idea of creating a a podcast centered around you know pharmacy and the pharmaceutical industry. Um, we created a brand. It was called RX Rewired, but due to time restraints and you know the 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 chaos of pharmacy school, we never really got around to recording an episode. During my fourth year on Appies, I did a drug information rotation at a uh, company, and they had a clinical summaries podcast that they would host. What I noticed is that they really weren't getting a lot of viewership, so I approached um, the owner of the company and asked him if you know if I could market his podcast in any way. Um, and we got brought on board to create you know TikToks that were about a minute to support his clinical summaries podcast. So. The, uh, podcasting was something that I was always interested in. And my fourth year, I found out about the IPHO podcast. I saw the great content that it was releasing for students and other um, industry professionals. And I thought it'd be a, a, a great way for me not only to pursue my interest in podcasting, but also give back um, to students and other individuals that were um, willing to listen to our, you know, whether it be our uh, advice or certain things that were happening within the pharmaceutical industry. Um, there's a lot of ideas that I have when it comes to what I want to do with the podcast. Um, I talked to you about, well, we spoke about this before, but you know, really making sure that we keep that mid-year content going just because there's always going to be individuals that are going to want that, that specific content. But really getting creative uh, going forward in terms of you know whether it be um, myself with the um, other co-host, um, getting involved in a dual podcast with Sergio and Alex, um, bringing on, you know, a panelist of individuals. I really want to survey the listeners and see what they would like to hear from us. I think getting perspective from the audience will allow us to create that content that they really want and desire. So collaborating with the audience as well as the other co-hosts is something that I really look forward to doing. And um, bringing ideas in a collective is something that I really want to do as well. So whether it be a panelist podcast, um, whether it be, you know, I know you mentioned a game show. I'm really interested in doing something that that's not that hasn't been done before. Um, but again, um, the stuff that IPHO has done with this podcast is incredible, and I'm just happy that um, I have this opportunity to take over uh, the the amazing job that you've done so far. Awesome, yeah, those are great ideas. You're obviously super passionate about your fellowship program, our career field, and this podcast in in particular. I'm sure the listeners can also feel that. So. First of all, on behalf of the IPHO podcast, I want to say we are really looking forward to you joining the team. I can't wait to listen to your future episodes. I love the energy. Um, to the listeners, thank you as always for tuning in and supporting the podcast. I've had an absolute blast doing it. And genuinely, Brian, I can't wait to hear your episodes. So um, you know, to conclude, thank you so much for being on the show today. And it was great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate appreciate this opportunity. Of course. Bye-bye.